the nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host, Stephen Halasnik. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Halasnik, and I'm co-founder and managing partner of Financing Solutions. Financing Solutions is a leading provider of lines of credit to nonprofits. Our line of credit program is easy, inexpensive, and costs nothing to use, making it a great cash backup plan for your nonprofit. If you'd like to learn more about the program, please visit us at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. And if you decide to apply today, we will even give you $250 credit on file. Or feel free to give us a call at 862-207-4118. Just remember the time to set up your line of credit is today, not when you actually have the emergency come up. Um, Today, I am really excited to be speaking with Pam Sherman from the Sherman Edge. Pam is an attorney, uh, uh, actor, and leadership consultant and was profiled in People Magazine about her career, career transition from attorney to actor. Today, Pam is a keynote speaker, conducts programs, and coaches leaders in leadership, development, and communication. She has consulted with nonprofits, Fortune 500 companies, law firms, advertising agencies, nonprofits, and is a highly rated resource internationally for a variety of leadership groups, including Vistage, the Young Presidents Organization, and the, and the Entrepreneur Organization. She has also been an adjunct professor in arts management and a guest lecturer at the Kellogg School of Business at American University, among others. Her nationally syndicated column, The The Suburban Outlaw, appeared on the USA Today Network. Pam, welcome to today's uh, nonprofit MBA podcast. Oh, thank you so much. I love this because I don't have an MBA um, so I'm really excited to, <laughs> to, can I, can I earn a degree when we're finished? Um, that would be amazing. <laughs> well, you know, I, I actually do two podcasts. Um, they're both, one's called the nonprofit MBA podcast. The other one's called the entrepreneur MBA podcast. And, you know, um, the, the thing that you, uh, I, I've, I've built, you know, a number of companies over a period of 25 years. And the thing that, you know, um, that you learn about both entrepreneurship and running a nonprofit, it's that it is, and I'll use the term that I learned from a friend, autodidactic, which means self-taught. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> because I, especially I, as you're starting from nothing or you have an idea that you have to problem solve, I never see a difference between, I get it, it's, you know, one is registered under a different legal structure, may have a different mission, but both start with a dream in many ways, right? If you think about it. So I think it's yeah. it's brilliant. Um, and so many nonprofits can benefit from entrepreneurial thinking. And so many entrepreneurs might benefit from being more mission driven, don't you think? That's, yeah, uh, I, I think you... Yeah. And I think you said the magic word right there. And that is, you know, mission driven. I think, you know, with with entrepreneurs, you're, you're trying to um, help them understand that if they can come up with a mission driven organization outside of making money. Right. Then that's a powerful statement. And, and whereas with nonprofits, it's almost built in very well that right. they lead with the idea that we have a mission. All you have to do is help define that mission, so to speak. And I think that you know, I think that works really well. We were talking about autodidactic, you know, self-taught. And I think that works really well into the, today's topic that we're going to talk about. And that is why leadership and storytelling are critical to grow your nonprofit. Because that is when it comes to leadership, it comes to storytelling, which are big 
part of running a nonprofit, even more so than a business, um, uh, being teaching yourself and, and realizing your leadership qualities and your and what your story is, right, is, is something that you have to self discover yourself. Would you agree? I would agree, and it's so interesting. I was just asked this question recently: How did you come to your uh, to become a leadership consultant? Because I don't have a typical path. Uh, I started out my career as an attorney, uh, working in banking, securities, and employment law. Uh, but I'd always had a dream of being an actor. Talk about a nonprofit world. Um, and uh, when my law firm went out of business, I took a leap uh, and became a full-time working actor in Washington, D.C. And after getting a call from People Magazine, who was doing a story about people who ditched their day jobs to pursue their dreams, I got a phone call. And it was from the head of training at the Antitrust Division of the Department of Justice. And I, the memory of the story is that she said to me, can you help me make my lawyers more interesting? Um, maybe she didn't say exactly that, but, uh, but I started thinking about it and it really took me on this path of how can I combine my right and left brains, you know, the process oriented lawyer with uh, the ability to be creative and recognize that, you know, a great lawyer's job, if you think about it, is to convince whoever they have to convince, judge or jury, um, that their story is the one that works, right, with the facts and the law. And a great lawyer has to consider that the storyteller matters. The same thing in leadership in a nonprofit. You have to convince funders to fund you, board members to join you, um, those that you serve to, uh, to allow you to serve them. And you can't forget that the leadership of the organization is got, to, yes, often that they are tied to the mission, but the messenger matters. And so that work has allowed me to work with nonprofits and business leaders. And frankly, I don't care what you do. I'm working concerned with how you show up in the world. And that is my path, which was yeah. essentially uh, combining both sides of the work that I've done. In the, I like to say, you know, I used to tell bankers what not to say, and now I tell, tell them how to say it. Um, but in the nonprofit world, yeah. it's, yeah, everybody's a great storyteller, but do you, are you really showing up in the right way so that your story impacts your audience and makes a difference for them? That's critical. Yeah. So, and it's all, yeah. I suppose, self <laughs> yeah. So let's let's take a, a, an example where you you know you get a call from someone that says, "Hey, you know, I'm really struggling as a leader. Hmm. You know, with it could be a nonprofit, could be a business. I mean, tell me what? How does you know? Where do you go in the beginning with that? So it's so interesting because um, often let's it, we need others to tell us that we're struggling, right? You don't get a lot of people who self. I wish they would, because it is the self identifiers who ultimately are the most successful in leadership coaching and going on the journey of self awareness required of a leader. Too often, it's obstacles that are met with um, our team just isn't gelling. We're not able to get the funding that we're looking for. We need to um, have a better story as an organization or our board members. They're coming. They're sitting there, but they're just not invested. How do we get them excited and integrated into our story? So, you know, first I think you have to identify the need because listen, nothing I teach isn't something that certainly nonprofit leaders don't already know. They know that telling a great story is going to open up 
um, of uh, you know a funder's pocket, or they know that telling a great story about success in their nonprofit of what they done in their you know their area of expertise is going to illuminate their work in the world. But when it comes to themselves, they often don't. I don't have time. I'm busy doing the doing. So the first step is to um, recognize that you know how could I amplify my organization? It starts with you as the leader. So can I can I share my definition of leadership because I think it might yeah, help. Um, yeah. So this actually telling a story sat on my husband's first boss's credenza. That's how old we are. They had credenzas, you know, in the back, <laughs> um, and a credenza. Uh, uh, it had a plaque on it, and I was in my first year of law school. And I don't know why this stuck with me. My husband came home from work. He was in marketing and product management, and he said this plaque was there, and it said what leadership is. And it's stuck with me to this day. It's leadership is the ability to communicate a vision and gain commitment to it. So think about that. Leadership isn't hierarchical. It's not about where you sit in the organization. It's not leadership with a big L, right? Um, You know, I'm the leader and you're not. It's based on behavior, action, vision, and emotionally connected followers. There is no better tool to understanding than you move into your leadership presence, which is the ability to connect to an audience, to their thoughts and feelings in order to move them to do something. And then you move into, well, what are the tools that are going to help me do that? I have to know who I am. I have to know who my audience is. And I have to know what stories I can tell to get that emotional connection. And, you know, the beauty of what I do now is that there's all this science to back it up. So if there's somebody who says, you know, show me, I don't really, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Storytelling, storytelling. I know how to tell a story. And then they, you know, show me their 150 slides with data all over it. I'm like, that doesn't look like a story to me. Uh, That looks like an explanation, a data dump. But where's the way that your emotionally committed followers would want to follow you? Um, or open up their pocketbooks. So, so that definition of leadership has formed everything I've done since then, and really is at the start of the work that I get to do with leaders. Do you think it's harder to train somebody in leadership skills um, and storytelling when um, when they're an introvert or when they're mm-hmm. an extrovert and they think they know it all? So the answer would be yes. Uh, (laughs) So um, I just love, there's a great book called Quiet uh, uh, by Susan Cain, which I'm sure you've heard of called The Power of an Introvert in a World That Won't Stop Talking. And she actually has the Quiet Leadership Institute. I'm a huge fan. Um, And I I really always, I'm clear to all of my introverts in the room that this isn't about being an introvert. Introvert is how you take your energy right? Um, I get my energy. That doesn't mean you can't be a great storyteller and that you can't use your voice. I I hate the term find your voice. We all have a voice. We have to use our voice to meet our mission, right? To, To live our purpose, to help our organization meet its mission. An introvert is going to do that in their wonderful, unique, personal way. The extrovert who feels they know everything, I grant them that they do. <laughs> that really helps. Um, uh, yes, of course, you are the extrovert. You're the, you know, the, the delightful storyteller at a party and everybody wants to listen to you. But is that the kind of story that's going to capture somebody's um, attention? And again, commitment is a 
pre, you know, and you want, you don't want just followership. You want committed followers. You want those who are mm-hmm. going to go on the whole journey with you, especially in a nonprofit where you want them to be with you, you know, the life of a funder. You want that philanthropist to be committed to you for a good long time, right? You don't want to bring them in just for the gala and then, you know, get them to raise their paddle. You want them to go beyond the paddle raise to say, how can I help? What, how can I get involved? Right. So that extrovert needs to deepen their connection to their personal story as well as to the organization's story. Good question. That's great. I love that. Yeah. I, I, I think that um, I, the thing that I noticed about myself, um, you know, over, you know, a, a, over a 25 plus year career, you know, I really think that leadership is learned. You know, I think it, it you know, no, I don't, you know, I don't think the adage that is, well, he's a great leader, you know, you might start off at maybe a little bit of a different, you know, a, a little bit of a dis, uh, an advantage over other someone else. But I, I think even, I think we all have to learn how to be leaders, uh, I, no matter where you're coming from. Um, you know, I, I, I was thinking this as you were talking about extroverts. I think, you know, an extrovert, which I, I happen to be an extrovert, maybe comes to the question of improving their leadership when they have something really bad happen. They said the wrong thing. They're too assertive, too aggressive, you know, those type of things. I know, you know, back when I, I actually, when I started my first company, uh, I, after three years, I, I actually had to go see a psychologist at the time there wasn't coaches and there wasn't consultants that could help you become better leaders. Um, not like there is nowadays, you know, now there's a lot more resources like yourself and, um, right. And I, you know, I went to see the psychologist because I said, I'm treating my employees really bad and I feel really bad about it. You know, they I, that no one told me it, but I recognized it in myself. You know, I was too demanding and, you know, and she helped me really well with that. Um, I, it took a long time, six months, I think. But um, which, you know, uh, is different with a coach. I think a coach can get to that leadership skill improvement so much faster. Well, um, one of the ways you do it, I think, le- is it probably felt uncomfortable to you because it didn't the way you might've been treating people didn't connect to your internal values code, right? No. Which oh, is I about generosity. Yeah. It's not who you wanted to be. And that's the same issue with leaders in nonprofits. There's a lot of stressors that come in a nonprofit world, right? Um, not the, and especially now in the time of COVID, when you've had to rethink you know, how you're going to gain followership and keep people interested and everyone's paying attention to their very small worlds you know, in this little virtual box. So the first thing I do is say, well, what's important to you? You know, you have to recraft a mission statement um, for where you are now. And that mission statement comes from identifying core values that are important to you. So, yes, I, I come from a, I told you uh, in our uh, offline discussions, my mother was a Freudian psychoanalyst. So I always start with, I don't care why you behave the way you do, but here's the things that I think are going to help you pay attention to it and act differently. Um So to that end, you know, what's a core value of yours? It's probably about collaboration or support, um, clearly, you know, what you do in your business right now. And if you're, if you're not communicating well with your employees, if you're being demanding, if you're working them and stressing them out, well, that doesn't 
flag with my core values. Um, and so we craft a mission statement. I call it your how, right? Your purpose is your why, why you exist. Lots of organizations have them. A lot of leaders don't bother. They don't think about their why. Why do they lead? Where does that come from? But the how, well, that's a big part of the solution to behavior that feels uncomfortable. You have to articulate and identify what is core to who you are and then show up that way. I mean, that's critically important. So yeah, I mean, there are a lot of fantastic coaches who are also psychologists and they do incredible assessments and that's not my discipline. I think crafting a great mission statement. So think about it. How many of the nonprofits you work with have a purpose or a mission statement emblazoned on their website? I'm curious. Do you like oh, 90%? I, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I don't, you know, it's, yeah. it, is it on their website? Um, I wouldn't Maybe say it's something it's, that they use internally, right? I think it, for their verbiage. The verbiage of you know it it they'll say it throughout the website, but it's not just like a one sentence thing, right? Or if they do, if they've done that work as a team, they have a mission statement that drives drives their um, organization. But if you asked how many of them as individual leaders have a mission statement or a core value identification exercise that they've done for themselves, I would tell you that probably 70%, maybe 80, maybe even higher do not. I mean, you know, I've yeah. done this in, you know, organ, you know, 300 CEOs sitting in a room, every single one raises the hand for their organization and three raise their hand for themselves. So before you can know what stories you have to tell and how you want to show up as a leader, you have to do that journey of self-awareness, not just from the obstacle, but also, well, okay, positively, how do I want to show up? So the identification, and guess what? You know what comes out of those core values? Great stories, right? Like, so I had to learn to be a better support um, leader, to supportive leader, because that was really important to me. So I had to go, that's a story that you've just shared. Yeah. We've learned something yeah. personal and authentic. And, and a lot of times I get, well, I, I couldn't tell that story out loud, you know, because I wouldn't want my people to know it or the organization to know it. And the answer is you don't tell a story in a vacuum. You also have to tell yeah. a story that is going to empower your audience or impact your audience yeah. and get them emotionally connected um, so that they'll want to follow you, the leader, and be a part of, I mean, so many small nonprofits, and I've had this experience, I like to be a part of because I'm so drawn to the leader and what they're doing. Wouldn't you say that's true? Like there's a charismatic leader with a great idea that I just want to be in their orbit and support them on their mission. So important. Yeah, I, I, I do. I think it's changed um, a little bit that, you know, that type of person was was bigger in the 90s and a little. And I think what, you know, the, the trend has been over the last five years is genuine, genuine, honest. Yes. Right. Yes. Authentic, who, transparent. Authentic, <laughs> right. Right. And, and I think. We can all do that. I mean, just be your, you know, I mean, I think the, the key word is part of being a leader is being introspective and yes. you can't, you can't go um, to grow as a leader if you don't know things about yourself. And, you know, and so like, uh, just for our listeners, you know, um, I, I went on this path where, you know, I told you, I, I first started going to see the psychologist to help me be find out why I wasn't being a better uh, leader with my team. 
And, and, and then, you know, like most things in my life, I, I, I dive into it and I start, you know, reading about leadership and I start taking more, you know, some online, uh, uh, not tests, but in online, uh, it's kind of like tests where it tells you which person you are. Sure. Yeah. That's it. And, you know, and then I hire, then I ended up hiring a coach, you know, cause you know, finally that was a number of years later and that, and that was really, yeah, I forgot that was always, and I had the coach for nine years. And now I would say is, you know, it didn't take me that, that whole period of time, but I'm a much, much better leader, much more confident and much more. Um, I, now I can tell when people that people want to follow me, you know, I don't have to drag them along. They, they right. do it because I'm genuine and I state the purpose. I state why we're doing, I state it. I state why they, sh- they might buy into it. And, and I right. know my why, you know, so, you know, so, the, so, so you've the done, that, you've done say, that work, right? You've done the work on your why and you know how you want to show up. That's your, that's your, you know, your purpose is your why, why do exist in the world as a leader. Your mission is your how. You now know, you know, it's it's integrated to your core values. And and by the way, often you know, everyone says, well, authenticity, we're all seeking that. And the answer is you have to go on that journey of self-awareness in order to be authentic. My mission in the work I do is to help leaders be who they are wherever they are in order to impact and change their audiences, ultimately, right? Storytelling is really just a component. It's a it's a, a skill set that helps amplify who they are wherever they are, so that they can be transparently themselves. But again, I I have to say that I there's a great Frances Fry has just written a new book on uh, leadership called Unleashed. She's a, a professor at Harvard, and uh, I, I first encountered her because she was uh, talking about customer service experiences, but she recently went to Uber to really rebuild trust in the organization. And I, I was so upset because I read this sentence and I thought, oh, God, I wish I had written that because, you know, she says leadership ultimately isn't about you. <laughs> it's about how you empower others to do things. And oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, oh. I, I, which I love yeah. that idea because as an actor... Um, I learned that it isn't about me, the actor. You, you'll hear actors say they are so generous, right? Do you hear that? When they thank their co-stars for being great listeners, taking it in, giving me great reaction. Um, and an actor learns early on, a good actor, that it's not about them. It's about the other actor. It's about reaching beyond the fourth wall to meet their audience's needs and take them on that journey. To do that work, that actor has to do a journey of self-awareness, but then has to, and this is all in emotional intelligence, they have to do a journey of relational awareness, right? So that's kind of, it sounds like that's the work that you did in order to elevate your leadership. And guess what happens when that when you do that? People ask me, oh, how do I build my confidence? And does that just happen innately? Um, and the answer is perhaps, right, with age and experience. But I think confidence isn't about knowing everything. It's about being okay with the uncertainty of everything, right? Like that's the leader that I want to be with who doesn't have all the answers but is curious and listens. And, um, and with that comes, guess what? It's generous. It's a really, like all of my leaders, I talk about your job is to show up with generosity towards those that you lead and serve. 
that ultimately yeah. will make people want to be in your orbit. Just the word itself is perfect for nonprofits, right? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, you know, I, there is um, there are there are a number of books that through that journey that just really really helped me. One of them was uh, "Now Discover Your Strength," uh, uh, strengths, and um, it was a it was done by the Gallup organization by yes. um, which some of you might know because of the Gallup poll, but they're one of the most famous. Um, pollsters, uh, so to speak, I'm not, I'm, uh, you know, and what they did is they surveyed 15,000 executives and found out that as executives uh, uh, become uh, more successful and as we, they get older, what they really learn is what they're good at and we're, what they're not good at. And I right. think that, that humility, um, as you get older, because when you're younger, you you all we all portray this idea that you know I don't want people to know what I'm weak at, right? I like to say when and I was so, younger, I knew everything, and now I know nothing, and it's served me so yeah, much better. <laughs> until you have teenagers, and then you realize, you know, you think they know everything, and you're like, yes. oh, you know, and then when you go into the covers, and you really find out they're really scared, and they really don't know; they're just putting on a facade. And I think that carries on. Uh, and then over a period of time, you start to learn. So, you know, that was a, an important book, which taught me that I didn't have to be good at everything. And right. I wasn't ever going to be good at everything. And that, that humility allowed me to relate uh, more to all different types of people that we all struggle, of course. And right. uh, so um, well, that, you know, that's a great so, story. By the way, I do work with a lot of organizations that use Strength Finders. And so when I ask uh, the leaders in those organizations, because they're all working with their five top strengths, they all know each other's five top strengths, they talk about it, it's pretty fascinating. One of mine is woo. I love that. I I don't remember what it means, but I love the word, right? Um, But but the idea is, hmm, that's great. You know what you're good at. I'm asking you to figure out what's important to you. Those are two different things, right? Uh, Um, uh And they they might be the same, they might be different. Like maybe you are, what's important to you is to be a risk taker, but that shows up nowhere in your five top strengths. So I I always am careful to say, we've got to find a way, and this is true of organizations. So let's say an organization has identified their core values. That doesn't mean that the individuals there at every level shouldn't also identify their core values. Because somewhere in my organization, I might have a great adventurer who I'm not tapping in to what's important to them. And I'm losing that, not that strength, but that desire, that aspiration, that's what, what's important to them. How can I meet their needs? So I think it's also important for leaders and organizations um, to recognize each other's values and strengths. It's, so it's just a nuanced difference. Um, but I do, I remember reading that book, Strength Finders, and that original book, you know, um, I think it's Soar With Your Strengths is the name of the book. And I was like, this now is brilliant. Strength. I hated, yeah. I, right, I hated, I hated math and I struggled and struggled with it. And I'm so glad I never have to do math again. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I'm saying yeah. that to, you know, a, a numbers guy, but um, um, I do think what you're talking about is you can learn all of this. If you don't have the if you can't bring in a consultant to do this work with you or a coach to do this work with you, I believe if you're willing, get a journal, you know, start journaling, you know, what are the core values that are important to me? Listen to 
this podcast or other podcasts and pay attention to, there is um, so much out there now around the kind of leader that we're all looking for, um, leaders who are authentic and transparent. But most important, start collecting the stories of your leadership that support your why or support your mission or support the organization's work. You know, I do... uh, Sometimes with boards of directors, I'll do a storytelling session with them because they're not sharing the story that brought them to the organization. We all have a reason that we would join an organization's board, correct? Like, I, you know, um, I really like their mission or I like the leader or I want to make a difference in my community. But there's got to be a story from your past that illuminates why you've picked this organization. What about its core mission is important to you personally? A board member that doesn't have that story well-developed, we're losing an opportunity with them to be the best ambassador they can be for the organization in the world. So mm-hmm. to me, uh, that's why, you know, it's not just the story of your organization. Um, it's the story of what's important to your board member, how their why links to your organization's why, right? That's critically important to everybody from, you know, the story, like there's a, there was a great story. Can I share this about a hospital um, that was just having great, they were diving on their patient efficacy, um, you know, patient, like literally the customer service wasn't working. And a lot of their, um, the money that they were getting um, comes from having good, uh, you know, patient engagement scores. So the doctor, you know, the head of the hospital was like, what do I do? What do I do? And he finally was like, you know what? I know my, everybody who works here has a heart, everybody, and that they really care. They wouldn't work in this hospital system if they didn't. So let's start bringing our heart to work and sharing stories of how we bring our heart to work. And, you know, as part of that, um, everybody started collecting them. And one day there was, you know, an orderly who was, you know, mopping the floor and somebody came in and saw him sitting on a patient's bed. And the patient had been crying because they'd been waiting for their person to pick them up. And it was a long time and he didn't want them to be alone rather than reprimanding him because that wasn't part of his job function. He was lauded for bringing his heart to work. It's a great story. It became apocryphal within the organization. Patient, not only did patient engagement scores go up, but also um, the employee engagement. So consider how just a story of bringing your heart to work could make a difference for an organization. So I I think you have to, yeah. That guy who came up with the um, idea of bring your heart to work and have people tell their stories, that was, that was a really good move uh you know yeah. uh, was it you no 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 or i wish it, um, it, I, you know i've been doing research yeah. on this for client and listen a lot of oh. people they want proof give me the proof point why is this important i know how to tell a story and getting them to understand that you know look at that story the same thing by the way um kpmg uh an accounting you know a large accounting and consulting firm and this was in um you can find this it's there were articles about it they did the same thing like it was an anniversary of their, I don't know what anniversary. And they said, let's collect stories of great accountants doing great things, you know, and who knew they thought they'd get like a hundred stories and it would be great. And everybody could celebrate the anniversary of the founding of KPMG. They got 10,000 stories. Like it was like an unbelievable number of stories. People are hungry to share their stories of connection. And as a result, I, I think their employee engagement 
um, you know, shot through the roof. It like went, you know, and to get it to go up by eight or 10 points is amazing, but it was like a remarkable result. So I, I do think that if you cr- want to create a storytelling culture, don't forget that everybody's got a story of their connection to your organization. Get them to share it yeah, out you know loud. What, you know what made me think? It was, it was a, a little bit earlier on in the discussion. It made me think that um, if you um, decide, did you say you want to bring on Pam as, as a consultant to help your organization with, you know, determining a, its mission, its why, helping you become a better leader, you know, all these other things that it would make sense to have everybody who's in the leadership position at the nonprofit be involved in this training, this, this uh, consulting, uh, because, you know, it's, I I do this a lot. And uh, again, this is not a a podcast about me. It's just an example. Um, Oh, you're a great storyteller, Stephen. Tell me the story. (laughs) The story is, is that I don't, I, it's not very normal for me ever to tell somebody what to do. I, yes. <laughs> I often just, I just try to get them. I try to help them understand the why it should be done and why they, you know, first why I should do, you know, why, why it should be done and why it's in their best interest too. Right. And then I don't have to, it's not something that I just, you know, do on purpose. It's just my style. Um, but it's a, the reason why I bring this up is it gives you get incredible buy-in when somebody feels that they either they came up with the idea or that they it matches their values. Anyway, with when you when you know doing this leadership training with your executive board and the executive director, and if there's anybody else that's in a leadership position at your nonprofit, um, it gets everybody on the same page. Yes. It gets everybody talking. And then you you come up maybe with a better mission statement, a better why, a better story. And let's face it, a lot of uh, executive directors have their um, board out there trying to get donations. So they have to learn how to tell stories. Yes. And, and, uh, and so if everybody's t- saying the same story and the message is consistent, it just reinforces yes. the ability of success. So. Well, it's interesting. I, I work a lot with teams and I, because I, you don't want it to happen in a vacuum, right? I, I, yes, I sometimes get, I get asked to coach an individual CEO or uh, leader within an organization, but they're not operating alone. Like, you know, in a, in a soundproof booth, they're operating in an organization, in a community. And so, for example, one team, it was a leadership team taking over, you know, we did the work on purpose. Why does this place exist um, with the founders? And we articulated it. And then we did the work on mission. You know, what are our values and how do we uh, articulate that? And they had very, you know, they've been around for a long time. But then you got to do grassroots within the organization and go it, it can't just come from on high. This is our new mission statement. Yeah. Right? You got to get buy-in from everybody so that they see it too. And, and they feel like they're part of the discussion. And, you know, most nonprofits, people who are working in the nonprofit world are invariably mission driven, right? 
but having them, they still got to do the work every day. And that's why, by the way, I just want to say, I don't call this training. I, I, you know, I call it uh, illumination or amplification or coaching or consulting because you cannot, I don't think it's like step one, do this step two, do that. Every organization, it's not cookie cutter. Every organization is different. Every leader is different. And every issue that they've got, it's just, they've got to be aware that we've got to include all of our constituents. I call them audiences, but all of our constituents in order to um, ensure that our, you know, that we're meeting our mission and we are amplifying our presence in the world in the most positive way. I think that's that's the way to do it. So I do agree with you. Having an executive team that builds trust. I, I'm actually on a board. I'm actually on a board. Don't tell anybody because, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, um, but I love the organization. And I'm going to lead as a board member a vision exercise for the board. Now, the strategic vision has to come from the staff that works it. But wouldn't the staff love to hear what are the big, hairy, audacious goals that the board has for the organization? Wouldn't that better inform their strategic plan to know that these people who are giving their time and treasure to the organization also have a vision of the organization? And if it's wildly different, they should know that too. So we're going to go through that exercise in June, and I'm really excited about it because I'll get to do the vision workshop, which is, you know, stories from the past that illuminate. It's a storytelling workshop, but a stories of the future, right? Like what's our, what's our big dream? And we're doing that with the board so that it can help the staff know, okay, these people are sitting here now in this time. How can this help you come up with a strategic plan for the organization? Yeah, you know, the, the best organizations I have ever seen, nonprofits or businesses are or, or sports teams yes. are organizations that um, have done all of that great work of understanding their mission, understanding their why, uh, understanding their culture. They do all that. Then um, then they. Uh, actually hire people into that, yes. that meet that. And then, you know, this, you made me think of this, Pam, and that is, then they have it posted everywhere in the organization about their mission, their why, their culture, and all those, those things, and their measurements. And then if you asked an employee what their mission is, they will know it. And I can tell you, like, this accounting firm that I know was unbelievable at it. Yeah. This uh, this other company that I knew, which is a um, places registered nurses, um, unbelievable at it. And then these, there's two other nonprofits that are our clients that are amazing at communicating it. It's all over the place. It's on their website. It's in the walk in the door. It's when you talk to them, and it's it you know it. It's about incredible execution. And the and honestly, the opposite is true too. When I've seen four <laughs> organizations, yes. right? It's the person running it, and then everybody is running around scared right. and doesn't know what's going on. Whereas the one person does, and everybody else is just trying to kind of get through their day. So the behavior has to match. Those are just words unless it's lived. And that I think is a perfect way to talk about this. 
the story you just told are stories of organizations that recognize that leadership is behavior, um, not just not just words. Leadership yeah. is action, um, and that's true for everyone in the organization. And so, you know, those sto- those organizations that can tell the story of their behavior, of their mission lived, are the organizations that are the most successful in their space. There's no question. Yeah. So um, I, I love that. It's uh, um, so two autodidacts on on leadership, uh, waxing eloquent on um, on stories that have moved us uh, to make a difference for other leaders. I can't think of a you know a better way to um, you know to spend an hour um, talking about something that I love to do. So uh, making a difference for others ultimately. Yeah. And, 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 you know, in, in summary of just, to, you know, we get, we're out of time and just to kind of summarize what, you know, I think Pam and, and my experience has been too, is that leadership skills, if it's something that you really want to get better at, uh, it, you have, you can do it, it, it you know, it, it just, you know, you keep pecking away at it. it, it believe me, it happens faster than you think. It's certainly a lifelong journey. And I think we talked about, you know, the, auto, the idea of autodidact itself. It's not, it, we say self-taught, of course, but having coaches, reading books, paying attention, doing the, you know, the, the work on yourself um, is something that results in success. And I think, you know, it was great, Pam, having you on today. So thanks so much for coming on today's podcast. Thank you. Good stuff. And for our listeners, uh, if you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend. And also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. If you liked today's podcast, please give us a review on your podcasting app and help get us the word out. Um, the Nonprofit MBA podcast has become very, very popular. We're getting thousands of listeners. And, uh, you know, the content that we're, we're providing, you know, that we're hearing from our guests is just fantastic. And, uh, you know, and and Pam was a good example of it today. So if your organization is looking for a line of credit, which I highly recommend, uh, it doesn't cost anything to set it up. It makes perfect sense. Our clients use it sometimes a lot, sometimes none, and they just have it there as a cash backup plan. It's better than going to a a donor asking for the extra money. So uh, it's mostly, you know, our line of credit is mostly used for when payroll is coming up and there's a shortage of cash or, you know, an important program has to be run. It's all really, you know, uh, important stuff. Um, You can give us a call at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Pam, if someone's getting wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? They can find me on my website, uh, which is www.thepamsherman.com. That's T-H-E, pamsherman.com. And all the information necessary to get in touch with me is there. Uh, they can also find me on every social media outlet at, at the Pam Sherman. Follow me on Instagram and uh, and Facebook and Twitter because we actually do put out content about this every week, including what I call the Outlaw Leadership Column. So I'm thrilled to uh, have spent this hour with you and with your audience. So thank you so much for inviting me. You're welcome. Thanks for coming on board. And uh, I want to thank all of our listeners out there. You 
all are doing the heavy lifting of making the world a better place. We all have to do our part, of course. Um, I'm trying to be the best person I can be to the world and, and make a difference. I know Pam is doing the same thing. Um, and we just want to say thank you for running your mission critical organization. The world definitely needs it. Everybody, the summer's coming around. Have a fantastic, fantastic day. And everyone, please stay safe.